0: age myself embarrassingly if I ask who remembers the animated movie Charlotte's Web and how Charlotte teaches Wilbur to say salutations. Wilbur is a pig. Uh, You know what? I don't care if that story ages me. It's a good one and it's a good movie. They don't make movies like that anymore. I am Eve Sturgis. I'm the very old host of Everything's Relative, this podcast where we talk about DNA discoveries fucking up people's lives. Totally changing identities, uh, turns families upside down, and I think ultimately changes the way that we understand people, understand ourselves, and underhand, understand the people around us. Uh, when I describe it that way, that sounds like a very big undertaking. And I just think of myself as just here to collect stories. I want people to share truths so that no one feels alone in their journey. So that's me. That's this. Welcome. Welcome. So today's a really important episode. It's possibly the most important episode of my very short podcasting career. Uh, And that's because I talk with my guest, Laura, about some huge important things. And we go places that we haven't gone before. Uh, I've hinted at it. I've skirted around it and acknowledged it a little bit. But we're really going to talk about it out loud and get real about the subtext of so many NPE stories. Before we do that, um, I want to tell you how this all came together. So this is a new kind of crossover episode that Lily Wood of the podcast NPE Stories and I are trying out. So a few months ago, Lily contacted me and said, "I just talked with this guest, Laura. Her story is extremely intense, and we ran out of time before we could really process a lot about what she talked about." So, uh, Eve, I need you to host the second half of the story. So, so right now, if you have not heard that story, stop this podcast. Go listen. Go find the podcast called NPE Stories and listen to Laura's story. It aired in March. Uh, after that, after listening to her story, come on over here, back to Everything's Relative with Eve Sturgis, and Laura and I are going to talk about her story um, in a different way and and not so much the detailed content of what happened, but we're going to explore more about what it all means for Laura moving forward. Um, we talk about what role shame plays in her family narrative, uh, and we want to talk about the way the DNA discoveries often reveal these really dark truths or hard truths that people do not want to to know about or look at about their families or about people they love. So I'm also going to tell my listeners that this episode comes with a very big trigger warning. This episode may not want to be one that you listen to if words and concepts used around trauma and rape are upsetting to you. If Lily's episode upsets you, don't listen to this episode. If what I just said upsets you, don't go to Laura's episode at NPE Stories. Just take a week off. Um, there's a lot of other things you can do with your time right now. Um, and I guess I want to clarify what I mean by upset, because rape and trauma should upset you. But if it be, if it's too hard for you, if 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 you're upset. Um, crosses the line into the the land of triggered um please take please take the time off you you're not obligated to listen to this no one is obligated ever to listen but um, take care of yourself more than anything all right thanks so much oh I'm so glad we finally got to connect and that you're on video because um yeah this is, it's good it's good and and so what I want to do and you tell me and we can like do this together we can do this together. Like I am open and flexible, whatever you want. Um, but because you gave your story on NPE stories with Lily Wood, um, we're not going to go over your whole story again. Like, yeah, yeah, like did it. Like give yourself a break. I
1: I listened to that and I think it was so necessary. And I just struggle with like, I don't know. Right. It's this fucked upness of like, Oh my gosh, I took up way too much time and way too much space and it's like it's not like any of it wasn't real like I I just like struggle um I always have with this like distorted thinking of like too much space too much time and even when I like talk to my friends or close people about this I'm like I literally try to explain it in 30 seconds because for my whole Mm -hmm. life everything has been like something that takes up giant space like the experience that I'm having is like not small potatoes and I feel this need to make it like I don't know. Anyways, so thank you for that permission and I don't know. Yeah, I don't want to talk about that anymore. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, um yeah, and it like I sometimes yeah, I'll do that where I'll feel totally comfortable when I'm telling the story and then afterwards I spin for hours in this like vulnerability place oh. of like, oh my god, I might as well just peel a layer of skin off. Uh, like yeah, like I I, just, everybody like, knows.
1: A lap naked like what happened. And that's how I felt afterwards yeah. for like days and I did one um, with uh, Jody Jody on Wednesday Mm -hmm. and it's like Mm -hmm. this I had to have someone remind me like hey you remember you did that thing and I'm like oh yes right that thing where it's like I said it and I wanted to say it and I needed to say it and it was important but then there's also like an after effect of that totally
0: totally yeah Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I like, I don't, I also like, I'm, 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 I'm really like freshly aware too of how hard, like, like for me, I don't know if I express enough. I mean, I always say thank you to my guests, but I don't know if I acknowledge enough to people how much I know this is like, um, uh, uh like really hard stuff. Like, it's like in, you know, like, Hey, come on, like, show me your soul. Um, and or let's talk about this really this really like deep deep stuff or dark stuff or both um and I just had a, I just had um I just talked to somebody uh, last couple weeks ago and he couldn't get through the story and 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 I and he felt really embarrassed about it and and I felt like it was such a I mean I, it was such a I don't want I don't want anyone to to to, to feel too upset but like it was such a great reminder of like how intense this stuff is. Like, oh yeah, this is really like, I get to sit here and listen to a lot of it and relate to a lot of it and be interested, but people are like hurting and healing and- Yeah. It's no joke. Yeah. And I think for me,
1: where I struggle with it, like with my brain also like as a therapist and thinking is this space of like, yes, I know that trauma is not like, the healing is not an arrival and I get that but right now mine is so active and ongoing and I forget that it is like still actively happening and currently happening that I can mm-hmm. get so mixed up and frustrated with myself for like, why am I still in this place? Why today am I feeling this way? And I have to remember like, this shit's still happening. Like it is still being perpetrated. It's, and it's yeah, big.
0: It's not yeah. over.
1: And just that- <laughs> Yeah, for
0: most people, you know, yeah. I think for most, or most people or many people, it's not over. And so many, like people even say- that, I have that experience too, where people say to me, "Like, well, what happened?" And I'm like, "It's not a happened. It it is happening. <laughs> like, it is. We are current. We are in it." Um. So, okay. So, all of that to say, we're not going to go from beginning to end of your okay. story. We are going to tell everybody. said, please go to Lily Woods' podcast called NPE Stories. Uh, and or you can go over to Jody Clickman's podcast called sex lies and the truth and both of those podcasts are great we i'm friends with both of those women we're all um we all have the same goals which is to share these stories spread the word inform and educate people um so go listen to those podcasts so you can hear the story and um and then we will and then where you're going to pick up with me with laura and i is that we're just going to talk about sort of um, what I want to talk about is from a therapist perspective, um, I'm wondering if you can just give everyone a, um, like a simple, you know, a, not, not as simple as I would do it, but like a simplified version of talking about neurodevelopment mm. um, uh, in, in teenagers, talk about where people are at as adolescents versus adults, talk about how addiction affects that, talk about how trauma mm. affects that. Mm. Um, mm. and then, no problem. No, right. no big like, deal. These are just these, um, just- I
1: have to be reminded and then, of all these intersections of these things and right? just, yeah. Like it could be just, there's so many layers and we all have them. But when I look at this particular thing, I'm like, there are so many layers that we could pull back and explore. Mm-hmm. And each has its yeah. own like field of study. It, like someone spent their entire right? life studying all of these things and they're all happening in one space. <laughs>
0: all happening in one space. We'll throw in some epigenetics while we're there. And then and then we'll talk about how it relates. So, we'll talk about that information in a broad sense. And then what I want to do is talk about how it how it applies to you and the NPE story and then how it and then, you know, and then obviously like I want to talk about how we can go through like my catalog of interviews and th- this is such a common theme. Um, but people don't quite know the words to, to put it. And it's like, it, it enters this very uncomfortable area for people when it comes to teens. And, um, so that's what I want to talk about. Today, yeah. That's okay. You know, and shame, like all, all of this under have the umbrella interviewed of shame. you any,
1: um, do you have any other people who were like
0: parents or teenagers that you've talked to? Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. And in fact, I have another one this season and her mother was 15 and doesn't even remember. Okay. Um, mm. Yeah. You know, and was that, was that a, like, was that a party? And, mm-hmm. and we don't, you know, and it, it's uncomfortable for everybody for lots of reasons, but one word that no one will say is rape. Uh, yeah. The, that, that word, you know,
1: yeah. when I say, at my, <laughs> and when I've interacted with my family, when everyone was talking to me and speaking of this at all, and I would say rape, they were like, Ugh. like, why would you say yeah, okay. like, Oh, oh like, oh, 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 oh So offensive to say that word. And it's like, yeah, but that thing happened. Like that word that no one will say is so real and you just need to bring that you need to reckon with that and accept it so
0: yeah yeah and and it's complex (laughs) and it's not black or white and yeah it like rape is one word for a lot of things um Mm -hmm. but but let's just start let's start talking about so i have to take a breath (laughs) <laughs> I can get so heated mm-hmm. about this. Um, all right, so let's talk about brain development. Um, do you want and and you tell me um, about what's going on in a in a young person's mind, oh. um, basically, um, well, yeah. you know, I you know, from yeah, as it applies to your story within yeah. context. But um. well,
1: so I guess I should say. I am a therapist and I work with kids and I have that understanding. And um, I think one of the things that I, uh, this space that exists that when painful things happen or scary things that elicit fear in our brain happen, like I think of it as almost like this roadblock happened or like the, not even a roadblock, but like there was a hole in the road at that point. And like, you can still go over the hole, or but you might get stuck in the hole. It, it created a, a change. And that change is always going to exist unless it is acknowledged and healed or given the space to heal. So maybe it wasn't acknowledged, but other resiliency things were happening around it. So there was space for healing, but otherwise, you know, you can get stuck in that space. Maybe you're not stuck in that space every minute of every day, but when scary or fearful things happen, you go back and you're stuck at that age where that occurred. Um, I'm certainly not an expert in this, but it is an area of study that I find really interesting and I definitely, um, geek
0: out on. And so when I learned and and it's it's new, it's kind of new, it's kind of new. I think we should say that for listeners that this is all, this is, this is new developments in, in development, new scientific understanding in brain development and, and child development and trauma. And so, so so people, so if people have not heard of it, that's okay. And also it's people that are older um, may struggle with these concepts because they've No, it's just was not in, in the, even the therapeutic space. And even
1: in the therapeutic space, I am still often met with because I work in um, the world of foster care, both personally and professionally. And when I bring up these topics, I'm met with by peers. I am met with such like
0: Resistance
1: and yes, but they're just bad. And I'm like, well, no, like these things happened. And so if we can understand why they're behaving the way they're behaving, then we can help them. And so even in the professional realm, at least my experiences is is there's still some pushback or just lack of knowing that leads to pushback. Um, Mm -hmm. But when I think about it in the context of my mom and knowing my family, and so my mom had, as far as I understood it until this knowledge, a really stable, loving, supporting environment. Um, so, you know, her parents, my grandfather's professional, he, you know, he owns a business, he's a doctor, um, my grandmother stayed home and my grandmother isn't like, she's nurturing and loving, but like, there's, I mean, I, I always recognized there was a lot of shame in that space, but for the most part, it was like, it appeared and I thought it was a safe, supportive environment and she always had all her needs met. And so her struggle with addiction and like how hard it was for her to like have moments of sobriety or stay sober despite all the resources she had was really mind boggling to me. I always wondered, mm-hmm. and once I got to a certain point in my like education in my career, I realized maybe something happened was the first way it came into my brain was there must've been something that occurred in her life. That is so painful that she carries around that she can't get through this without alcohol. She can't manage it without this. Yes. But I, I say that all that, and I brought that up to say, I always, not always it's for a long time. I've had this belief, something painful had to happen to her. I just don't know what it is. And so when she disclosed this information in December, 2019, while it was so devastating and like life altering, I also had such relief. I had this understanding. I now understood what the piece of the puzzle was that kept her from being able to be healthy and sober despite resources. And that prevented her from being loving and nurturing and kind the way I needed her to be, I had an understanding of that now. And I've always been a person that's like seeking meaning and trying to have meaning and understand things. So for me, it was a, a relief or a gift. I'm not sure the right word, but I was grateful to have that understanding and to have that know, knowledge. I think I was the only one that was happy that that information came out.
0: Yeah, I mean I I relate to that whole holy relate to that. Um to, I have a very different story but that the the way that and I think a lot of people relate to the feeling of like of the final piece falling into place. Of like, "Oh." Yeah. That's what's been going on for my whole life. Yeah. Um this is this missing this huge in what you know, the invisible elephant whatever. It's just like so yours has the added layer of of trauma, but I really relate to, to that feeling of, um, really. Yes.
1: And I still think it, and I still am glad that she had the courage or the space. I still haven't been able to really get out of her what it is that like, she felt being able to say it because, you know, I talked about at the beginning, like this is an ongoing trauma for me. But it is certainly an ongoing trauma for her because she carried this for my family in secret for 31, over 31 years, 32 years. And now she says it and no one believes her and they deny her experience completely. And that is an active ongoing thing as, you know, her, the perpetrator is still an accepted and fine member of our family and of the community. And she is still on the outside and just how painful that knowing is for her and just how my family cannot understand that concept, no matter how it's been presented to them. And I think that definitely makes this situation. That's one of the hardest pieces for me. Like, yes, I feel the ongoing trauma of being denied, but I'm so connected with my mom in this and have such empathy for her in this space that it just that is just one of the most painful pieces that she still denied
0: so confusing she must i mean it must be so confusing and heartbreaking and and infuriating on i just can't even yeah I, i i almost want you to repeat it that she carried this for 30 four years a secret this deep secret deep and dark
1: deep and dark secret she carried it and And it allowed him right her holding that secret allowed him like space and whatever level of freedom he had I'm sure there wasn't I don't I don't know I can't imagine what it's like in his brain but a level like my my aunt, her sister, you know, she held that for her, too, because she got to have her life as the world saw it. And so did her husband and their success in business and their success in their perspective fields and in our community there, and just all of that. My, and my grandparents and their space in that community, my mom did not. she held all of that heavy, dirty stuff for everyone. And then when she finally had, a space for whatever reason to say it, they said, no, thank you. Please keep holding that. Please shut up. And you have to keep holding that. Like we're not going to acknowledge it. Um, And I don't believe they see it that way because I think in order to believe a lie like this or sit in the space that they sit in, you convince yourself of what you want to believe because there's no other way to get through the day.
0: 100% hundred percent. I, I think lots of people in the NPE space, our community um, have a new understanding of denial through this experience yes. about what, what the power of what our minds will do. Yeah,
1: And I've spoke with my mom about that. There's been a couple of times where she agreed that I could ask her some more questions and just try to understand and get a better understanding. And One of the things that she says, like repeatedly, no matter how many times I tell her, I believe her is I really didn't know. I really didn't know that he was your dad or could have. And I have said to her so many times, of course you didn't. I believe you. And I get that. Like you had to believe this truth to survive. You had to believe it to survive then. And you had to believe it to survive all these years. So of course you believe it. And I don't hold that against you because that is how your brain and your body kept you safe that could not be true so it just wasn't and that's okay Mm -hmm. and she just says it repeatedly and I just I feel so bad for her that she carries that that you know that responsibility Mm -hmm. that she was supposed to have this understanding at that age uh, at 16 you know making these critical and hard decisions and it was made even more complex, and this is slightly off topic, but I was working um, in my professional work with a young mom who secretly, um, you know, she was pregnant and she created an adoption plan and followed through with an open adoption at 15 on her own completely and trying to help her make sense of those things. And- it was just this reminder that this is such an adult thing. These are such adult concepts that a 15 year old brain can't make those choices. A 16 year old brain can't make those choices. And I was born to my mom when she was 16, 17, but her abuse started two years before that. So her block, her stunt was at 14 at a minimum 14. I want to just like emphasize. And that's what I've tried to explain to my family is like, Maybe it makes sense. And it's easier for you to make sense of, you know, she was 16. She was 17. When this happened, she, she liked this. She wanted this, but trying to help them understand the concept that the abuse, this relationship, whatever you want to call it, these interactions started at 14. And so her development, her ability to think and rationalize is stuck at 14. And so we can't, we have to, and unless you acknowledge that, then you just see her as like a US 16 or 17 year old, as my grandmother refers to her who enjoyed mm-hmm. sleeping with her sister's boyfriend and not recognizing right all of the grooming, all of the mental manipulation, all those things that happened from 14 on. And that physically changed her brain at that point. And she didn't have an opportunity for those spaces to be healed.
0: The vulnerability of a 14 year old, um, I mean, uh, it, feel, it feels, it feels, I, I have, I have a daughter, I have a daughter, she's 17 and, and to, to, I think, I think, uh, I just, I just, I don't know. I'm like, I'm speechless. Like I have no words when I think about 14 year old girls and the vulnerability they're in. And when I think about myself at 14 and the things mm. that I did as a teenager, and what I thought I knew, what I was doing and now understanding about, about brains and oh, I just, um, yeah. So this is really uncomfortable. And I, and I mean, I, I feel like that, even that word I've said so many times, I'm, it's starting to, to, to sound cheaper than I uncomfortable. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's uncomfortable. But what, what I mean is, is that there's this your your family has come so far as to acknowledge okay this guy might be the dad or is the dad he's your your bio dad is the dad but it's not his fault and it wasn't rape and he she wanted it and it was consensual and um, what's in the past is in the past and um, and it just gets, it just gets murky and, and like gross. Like I feel gross. I don't know if you can see me it's, sinking it is in my gross. chair, but and like I would
1: my- I like to say that the way, the depth that you gave this situation in that seven seconds is more depth than my family has been able to give and acknowledge in this situation. It, and I want to sit here and say, if my reaction was different and I was less angry two years ago, then maybe they would have had more space to have understanding. And like my big giant anger reaction as a feminist and as a person that advocates for justice day to day, with like, my reaction was huge. And so I've told myself, maybe you didn't give them the space to arrive at this. And like that in itself is fucked up that I've sat here and said like, my reaction was too big for them to have a healthy reaction. No, like I'm allowed to be really right. mad about this. Right, that was your. And right, I, that's your responsibility. Yes. Right, your your response. Yeah, oh, but I, it's so important to say, like, even they they don't even have a word to say this is uncomfortable. They the blame is all on my mom, and it's easy to blame her. And I talked about this recently. Like, she is a really easy person to blame in this situation, and just put it all on her, and she. And now on me, right? Because it's my fault that our family is torn apart because I want to talk about this and I want this to be acknowledged. Not not that it's his fault. So I believe I touched Mm -hmm. on it in the previous podcast, but you know, I was told that it was going to be my fault that he killed himself because I am pursuing the knowing of this, and I want more information, and I want accountability. And so, is there going to be my fault if he ever completes suicide? And not acknowledging like all of these really terrible things that he's done. That you know, these were his choices, his behaviors, and you know, now my mom lives this life that is uncomfortable and not pretty on the outside because she has so much pain on the inside. But that makes her the really easy target to blame this entire situation on. And just let her keep self-destructing and carrying all that weight. Like, let's keep him untouched because it allows the rest of the family unit and image to just stay okay. And that's easier.
0: Yeah, don't disrupt the system. <laughs> no. They can't. So do you have in your mind um, an idea of what would be some examples of um, of, of taking responsibility for a family in this position, like what, um, what that would look like different ideas. It doesn't have to be like what exactly what you think he should do, but well, I think the first thing is acknowledgement
1: and a Mm -hmm. sense of a sense of acknowledgement and ownership. So, but when I think about accountability, it's just recognizing and acknowledging the pain you caused. Right. So not just saying, okay, yeah, I'm sorry. I never knew I was your dad. Okay. But now acknowledging what is your responsibility in that as the adult in the situation, as the parent in the situation, it, just acknowledging the pain is so important and the experience and saying, yes, that happened. Yes, I did this. Um, for me, the biggest thing has been in this particular situation, like in my situation is getting establishing paternity and not just on like ancestry DNA, but actually establishing paternity because at a minimum that gives my mom a sliver of justice, because if you just compare their ages, no matter what your perception or you, whatever you think is reasonable as an individual, you can still see the ages and the ages matter. And so that's a recognition of this was at a minimum, a statutory rape situation. And getting that on paper gives me a sense that it would she would get some justice, and it would just be acknowledgement of my experience as I'm continual continue to experience this situation today. I'm not sure if that is clear, um, but in summary, I think having to acknowledge the pain caused is important, and acknowledge the pain caused to my mom all these years. Right, not to say that my mom isn't responsible for her choices and behaviors but acknowledging the situation and her lived experience that led to the person she is today the corrosiveness of one the painful terrible violent thing that happened thing let me just uh, the rape the assault all those things happened for years so maybe it stopped but then she still carried that and just how corrosive that is and how there's really no way for her to make sense of that on her own. So of course she self-medicated, of course she self-destructed, all those things. And he doesn't have to take any ownership of that right now. And that's really hard for me.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. None of this happened in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. And then I sh- right. the other piece,
1: and not that, I mean, I have my own really painful experience and relationship with my birth certificate dad, but acknowledging that he was willing and stepped in to be my dad when he was also 16 because he thought he was my dad, but he, mm-hmm. so he was also a victim in this. He became a dad as a teenager himself in, in, well, yes, sure. He can say like, he'll always be my dad and what a gift I was and all these things. That's his inability to recognize that he was also a victim at 16 by being told he was a dad of a kid that he wasn't. And no recognition or accountability for that. Like two kids' lives were blown
0: up. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking I hadn't, I mean, until I had asked you that question of like, what does it look like to acknowledge this? I hadn't really thought of it. I hadn't thought about it in detail. And it's like, um, and I was just thinking about, um, you know, and like I, I uh, it's, you know, I have my own stuff going on in my family and, and, and So I, I'm. I just. Um. I was thinking, if you didn't, if someone is listening and they don't, they don't know what to do. Like, what does saying I'm sorry look like? Or what does working this out look like? Or what does, um, what does you know, acknowledging my the daughter I didn't know was my daughter? You know, this whole thing. Being willing, wondering, like, in his situation, to accept
1: the losses that could come with being honest right which he's not willing to do like he won't speak if, to me he right and, and neither and just to put this into perspective and neither will my aunt who is my mom's sister um right
0: and just to who yeah, who was uh, betrayed yeah. Yeah, is, you know, all goes into the pile of betrayed the 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 the, the, sec, the pile of betrayed hearts in this yeah scenario. And I've thought about it
1: as like I've like played out scenarios and thought, how cool would it be if we could come together and do look at this from a restorative justice lens and as a family get together and we talk about the pain caused because everyone has pain in this situation everybody is choosing to deny minimize not really address their pain as far as I can tell by their reactions and refusals but everyone has pain including my my three-quarter siblings my cousin brothers you know they didn't have the best really relate- like they had stuff with their dad but it's made worse now and they don't have because everyone is in such self-preservation and like the space of denial. No one has any space for healing, and so everyone is going to pass this dirty, dark thing on to the rest of their the generations after them. And how painful and vicious and like I don't. know, It's just insidious, right? It's just kind of like we know that generational trauma is one of It's so disruptive and it ruins relationships and it ruins lives. And they're all just gonna do that. But what if we could all come together and have an actual like reconciliation of this? Like, how cool would that be? How, like there could actually be beauty from this wreckage and we could stop these things, but no one's choosing to do that. I mean, I'm choosing to do that. My son will not be carrying any of this with him. But by everyone still, you know, spending every holiday and letting him around their kids and, you know, not acknowledging just how dangerous it is. Because if like a person who did what he did, doesn't just like stop and not have risk factors about them, right? That takes healing. And unless you heal, you still run the risk. And I, and what we know about people who perpetrate like this, they don't stop unless they heal or they are contained in some way. So I fully believe that I probably have more siblings out there, right? Or that Mm -hmm. he, I think that is one of his biggest hesitations in being willing to do the DNA with me is what other secrets and lies will come out. What. And everyone's just participating in that.
0: Yeah. It's too much. Like I think they that that idea of coming together and talking and working through it and healing this wreckage, I, I imagine they feel like they would die. Oh yeah. I think they would feel like they would die. Like they've like, never felt anything like, hard. Right. They've never, you know, lives, lives are actually on the line in, in And I'm
1: not shocked um, by the response, right? My family has never dealt with hard things. Well, even when I was a teenager and I was bringing up my mom's addiction to my grandparents, you know, they wanted it to not be, they wanted to minimize it. They Mm -hmm. wanted it to not exist, not be, just go away. They had never had the space to understand it. Um, And same with, you know, I believe my aunt she got pregnant as a teen. I not. I believe, I know she did. She was also pregnant as a teenager. And these are not things that were talked about. And these were not things that were talked about in my family. And I wasn't taught any different, right? I just luckily was smart enough and figured out how to not get, like have sex and not get pregnant, but no one taught me that. So that was never going to stop because of anything my family did. I don't know if that makes right. sense the way I explain that but just this never talked about the harder uncomfortable things ever never ever and right
0: right so they're certainly not
1: going to start uh-uh. now no but if <laughs> no especially <Yeah>. not like <laughs> like this is like Olympic level <laughs> hard yeah enough. and we're not even like our training wheels aren't even off yet down here in their Mm-mm. emotional Mm-mm. um capacity agility whatever word you want to use there like the training wheels are on.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm, and that's, I'm trying yeah. to imagine like, yeah. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder if, if, if we were going to design like a, like a guidebook, not, not a book, but like a gu- you know, a, a flow chart of ways to take responsibility mm-hmm. from, from the family's position. Um, it's, it's like level one would be acknowledged, just acknowledgement. Right. And, um, you know, I don't even know, it's like le- level two is acknowledgement and medical history. Level three is, you know, acknowledgement, medical history, and an apology. Um, and you, what you're talking about is like, I don't know, level 10. Um, but I, you know, but, but I also wish, I, I wish people would be more open to different ways to approach, different ways to approach the end goal. So if, if all of what you just described sounds too hard, maybe there's a therapist out there that could help everybody. Yeah. Or, you know, like maybe there's, uh, like you don't have to do this alone. You don't have to do it in a vacuum. It doesn't have to be all or nothing.
1: Well, in my grandparents, I don't know, when you said that about family and
0: the flow chart, it prompted me.
1: The first three-ish days, my grandparents, they said things to the effect, you no, know, it was our fault. How could we let him in? How could we let this happen? I can't believe this happened and we didn't know it. And then that just all went away. So
0: that it was, was too hard. hard. Oh my they God. They couldn't
1: sit so there. They, that meant, right, looking at it from that angle and not just blaming my mom meant, well, well, that means we have some stuff to deal with here. Some big feelings that we need to reckon with. And uh, no, no thanks. And then this other option comes up like, well, we can just... know say it was her fault and then we don't have to reckon with all this and the most counsel that they received despite me sharing articles sharing information you know this is how you could show up these are the things you could say to her because in the beginning everyone was recognizing and did come to me with this sense of how do we handle this but then they didn't like that Mm -hmm. so <laughs> he said I, the wrong, you had the, the wrong, wrong idea. They thought it was palatable, right? <laughs> at all, <laughs> Any of my suggestions. <laughs> um, but they're like, no, no, we meant tie.
0: We meant, how do we tie yeah, this up in about 24 yes, hours? Right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, it's been said to me, well, you know, father, so-and-so, because my family is very Catholic and they're very involved in the mm-hmm. church. He says at some point we all have to forgive and you're going to have to forgive and move on from this. And I was like okay and then like when I said to my grandmother like you know I really feel like we need to get some additional perspectives and like just a catholic priest and her response well what do you mean by that well you know historically speaking their approach to sexual assault hasn't been maybe the best um and that was just like I
0: they don't have a hot they don't have a hot record they do not have a hot record
1: I even said that right like offended that that was well, I brought that up. Like, how does that even relate to this? And is that even true? What
0: does that even have to do with father? So-and-so he is a good man.
1: mm -hmm. He says, we just have to forgive and move on. And I was like, yeah, um, it's like been a month. (laughs) I'm good. Right. (laughs) I'm not really there yet. And, uh, Mm -hmm. isn't there anything in there in that space about like accountability and reconciling and, or does he just get to still be an usher at church? Cool. Okay. Thanks. Like I checked yes. the bulletin recently. Oh my, oh, my oh my God. 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 An usher at church and like involved and engaged. And I was just, I don't know. For me, I don't know why I was shocked by that. I don't. Mm-hmm. But that's still happening. And that is, this entity is saying, we know this information, no matter how you cut it, right? They know it in some way. But I guess he right. said like a few Hail Marys and it was cool and right. Wow.
0: Yeah. And, and I guess like anybody, I guess like I would want to communicate to anybody experiencing shame, you know, there's, there's, there's a, there's a thousand layers mm. between deep, dark shame and a hundred percent redemption and forgiveness. And it doesn't have to be, and I, I know I keep coming back to this. It doesn't have to be either or, No. you know, he doesn't you're not asking him to uh, walk through the town with a shame lady behind him while you whip him the whole. You know you're no. not asking him. I mean, I to to, to, to give
1: say, up everything in I his have life. To say that I have um, those thoughts though when he just refuses to do anything reasonable, right? I have I have jokingly right. said like I'll put a billboard up that's like is so and so maybe your dad too, <laughs> like. Like oh my you know, god yeah totally like and this is this is what this is the toxicity of what this stuff does to us right and that's like and you're not going to do that but okay. that is how dark and shameful we can become when we carry this stuff when we keep it in the dark and don't bring it to the light mm-hmm because I'm not that person that's not who I want to be I'm not, I would not be proud of doing that <laughs> I would not right <laughs> but I think it and I'm like yeah. Well, it might be worth the like 10 minutes of terrible mm-hmm. feeling he would feel but the reality is, is he has to feel terrible every day there's just I don't know right
0: yeah yeah the, the terrible that he's feeling has got to be so painful that he can't do it <sighs>
1: Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I even touched on any of the things we said we wanted to touch on. Sorry. We did. We did. (laughs) I feel that the shame I I'm so interested in, and part of why I reached out was this, and this is so ongoing and my experience with it and my response to it is so ongoing. And I know I have a long way to go. So I just want to recognize that, but just trying to find information or. Anyone who else who can understand this, the feelings of understanding and learning that you were conceived in such a violent and not loving way, right? Mm -hmm. How do you make sense of that? And how do you make sense of that when you have an understanding of how trauma is passed down from generation to generation and how? the in utero experience affects you. And I don't, there's just so much there. And also how damaging there's shame so is there. and how much I don't want it in my life. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 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 So when we talk about shame, um, we, we are also referring to, in, in the same way that we're talking about neurodevelopment, there's all these new studies um, coming out about, about trauma and shame being passed down generation to generation, not just through experience, not just that a person experiences trauma so they create trauma, although that happens too when we talk about the cyc- cycles of violence or cycles of shame or cycles of trauma. That kind of thing happens too, of course. We all, we all know that, that scenario. But there's new studies showing that people are literally inheriting inheriting um shame and trauma and the pain of those things in utero um in their bodies in their cells in in inside their blood you know like in their blood and their cells and their in their biology um, and it's coming out in studies of people um cultures and that have experienced diaspora and it's coming from all of these women who grow up with with really extreme shame experiences, and without necessarily um, a, a, an explanation why, and then they find out their mothers were had extreme trauma shame
1: I have struggled um, and it
0: in makes everything
1: so hard. I, the, the sense of shame that I have carried from my earliest memories, like three years old, and through my entire childhood, all my memories are: I am bad. What I have done, something wrong. My thoughts are bad. I'm, and I. And that's just grown. And it's like this, I don't know, some invasive species, right. That we don't want to grow in our garden. Like I've had that since three years old and I've never understood why. And that's been so Mm -hmm. hard to, when I look at my life and that goes to this idea of like how I walk around and how I experience myself in the world versus how I'm seen in the world. I'm it's, Drastically different, and that's why I go to therapy right. still. Mm-hmm. And I acknowledge that, but it's just like that's a shitty experience and not cool. And we do that to people, but I also have to recognize, like, yes, I have that, and I have this pain, and I don't want to sound I don't know. I also recognize both personally and therapeutically the power of resilience and how that is a muscle, and we it can grow and be exercised. And there are so many outside factors that contribute to that and support that. And there's always hope, like no matter the trauma, no matter the pain, like, yes, we should see it, but that person more than likely also is insanely resilient. And I think my mom is a beautiful example of that. I don't know how she woke up every morning. I don't, I don't, I would not have, Mm -hmm. how did she wake up? How did she go to family holidays? How did she sit at the same table as this man? How did she sit at the same table as her sister? I, it is mind blowing. And that is resilience. And that is her body's way of protecting her. Something, she had something in her that allowed her to survive. And so while everyone looks at her as this like messy failure, whatever words they going to put on her of a person. And I have to acknowledge, like I saw that too. But now I look at her and I see just insane resilience and power that she did that in from 16 on like at 16 she started managing this situation in a way that is just mind-blowing and I wish people could see that in her I wish I was not the only one who saw that and not minimizing like the actual real felt pain that I have from my experiences with her and my giant mother wound that I walk around with but there is a smidge of hope because I look and I'm like wow they're a really really impressive human to have managed
0: that yeah I don't think the mothers are get enough credit mm-hmm. you can have both you can have shame and resilience yeah you can, the effects of these, this is just um, broad, far reaching in a, in a tangled, tangled way.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Thank you for sitting with me this morning and talking about Yeah. It. Thanks for creating a space to do <laughs> it. And, um,
1: I don't think I said any names, but can you make sure I didn't?
0: Yep. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks um no problem yeah no we're going to um i hope that my family which is above me during this recording time they just turned on the water i don't know if people can hear that um i just i hope that like but my daughter voice. also rolled like she she just rolled like a shopping cart over me i hope and the dog just barked so hoping um we have more editing to do than just uh names but um i think people are used to this by now um anyway Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing and talking with us, talking, talking with me about this. Um, it's just, this is really important stuff. And this is, this is the stuff I've been, you know, admittedly like honestly trying to talk about through every episode through so many episodes. And I keep, this is it. Like, I want to get into this, this nitty gritty deep stuff beyond just the sort of fact facts of a story. Um, and, and talk about why this matters, especially for women, why this matters. It just, oh, also, this is just so much huger. I
1: hope that somebody, I hope that the idea of convincing yourself of what you need to believe to survive that trauma response, I hope that resonates with someone. I hope that gives somebody mm-hmm. enough space to maybe just see their mom a little bit different. Or... I don't know because that's been the biggest gift for me is to like see, be able to see my mom with a little bit more compassion despite all of the pain that in chaos that was Mm -hmm. created. Mm -hmm. Um, Because now I know she had to convince herself of those things. It wasn't that she kept this information from me. And honestly, she didn't even say it, right? She just said, hey, I was assaulted and raped by him. She didn't, we told her that he was our dad or, you know, according to Ancestry.com. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I think that the way that came out was a really big, I mean, was fortunate, was a blessing. I don't know how you want to think about it, but that timeline, I think it makes the situation unique, but also is, it was helpful because it wasn't that she said it, she was just as
0: shocked yeah mm-hmm. not un- i think that's not uncommon yeah i think i think this this could o- this opens a whole world of understanding about um denial and what our what our defense mechanisms will do for us to save us mm-hmm. um all right thanks for spending some time with yeah me. i'm
1: gonna um go I don't know. Maybe I should have saved my workout for
0: afterwards. I need to go. I need to go complete yeah, this stress cycle.
1: So maybe I'll go on a little run.
0: Yeah, to get all this out. Go on a run. <laughs> if you think of anything else, call me. We'll t- we'll do it again, or we'll talk yeah. some more. Um. Yeah. Thank you so much. I really need people to to come and want to talk to me about this big stuff. So yeah, I hope. Oh it's my really gosh! Pretty- I really it is my
1: hope, and that that somebody else feels the courage, like to talk about if they learned about this being conceived in rape, um, it's non-consensual way. And I guess I say, like, I'm saying that selfishly because I'm like, I just want to talk to somebody else who has had this experience.
0: The phenomenon of, uh, DNA discoveries is opening such a Pandora's box of topics that we as a society need to look at and talk about. And a lot of it is extremely uncomfortable and painful and, Uh, but the pain and discomfort is why we don't talk about it, you know, or it's why these secrets have been carried on for so long. Um, Lifting shame was such a huge motivation for me in starting this podcast. I wanted people to know they're not alone, and I wanted people in every facet of the DNA discovery to hear that message. And, of course, I am primarily focused on the NPE aspect, but I also think about the mothers of these People who make these discoveries, I think about how many mothers made decisions about what to do about unexpected pregnancies when they were younger than their adult children making the discovery now, right? A few weeks ago, um, you may remember that I talked with Jessica about her mom being 15 years old and not even being able to remember the night she got pregnant. Uh, Laura's mom was 14 when sex with an adult man began. These women who so often end up being the carriers of these secrets were just children when they had to make choices based on what they knew what to do and what they knew of the world. I'm going to leave you with that. That's it. I'm going to skip my usual spiel about following socials and leaving reviews. Please come back next week. I will be back. I'm Eve Sturgis. This is Everything's Relative. Bye-bye. Everything's Relative with Eve Sturgis is produced by Kaylin Egan and Eve Sturgis. Eve is a licensed therapist in the state of California, but conversations on this podcast are not therapy sessions. This podcast is edited by Stephanie Delon-Zick, the logo design is by Ivy McNally, and the music is used with permission by Goodbye the Band. Hi, Adam Peacock from My Neighbors Are Dead here. Each week on My Neighbors Are Dead, I talk to the tertiary characters real and imagined from your favorite horror films. But this summer, we're doing something different. We are taking you to the northern woods of
1: Michigan all the way up to Whitlow Lake to bring you the original tale of the My Neighbors Are Dead summer camp massacre. We're bringing back some fan favorites of the show as we try to piece together through interviews with survivors, witnesses, and with any luck, the killer Chad himself, we're going to try to piece together exactly what the hell happened up there at Camp Willow Lake. It starts June 22nd and it runs all summer long. That's the My Neighbors Are Dead Summer Camp Massacre. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Campfire.